0: So this morning you've heard in the announcements, Wednesday now is going to be a lacquer party. We call it 365 Celebration. We're at the end of the year and we're going to celebrate God's goodness and what He's done for us throughout the year. But I thought this morning we can start off a celebration this morning already. So I want you to turn to the person next to you and tell them one thing that God has done for you this year. It could be an answered prayer, a miracle, a blessing. Just one thing. I'll give you a minute and a half, two minutes. Okay, fantastic. Awesome. Thank you very much. The last two weeks, in preparing for this morning, you know, I was actually feeling quite convicted um, how we take things for granted in life. In my own life, I was actually, it, came, it dawned upon me, we were driving around because sometimes if you have a toddler or a small baby, you'll know that the car is the best sleeping formula ever. I still want to invent a cot that's like a car, a vibration and the sounds, and I think it'll make millions. But anyway, So at times when you drive home, we want to make sure our boy James falls asleep in the car. Then it's easy at home. You just take him out, put him in his bed. There's no fighting or or bargaining or nothing. So as I was driving the one time around, around the block for him, he's falling asleep slowly but surely. It just came upon me how much we take for granted in life. That we can drive around until our child falls asleep. Yet there are people out there who don't have enough petrol in their car to get to work the next day. And in the same breath, how many times people think or they want a boy or a girl only if they have a baby. Or they, they fight about the name. Is it going to be my family name or your family name? And yet there are people who can't fall pregnant. But we take things for granted. Um, what are we going to have for supper tonight? I don't feel like meat. I don't feel like chicken. Um, let's make vegetables. And yet there are people who go to bed hungry at night. And this I I experienced in Southernwood about two months ago. I went there in the evening service, and there was a boy there who was sick. He was coughing quite a bit. So afterwards, I went to pray for him for healing. And he told me that he's been sick for quite a while, and he probably would have been better by now. Didn't he go to bed hungry the three nights in the week because he had no food at home? Man, it broke my heart right there how a a metric boy can tell me that I didn't go have food before we went to bed, and that's why he's still sick, because he couldn't get the nutrition he needed to get better. So we take so many things for granted in life, and this morning we're going to talk about celebration, about sharing God's goodness, sharing testimonies. It's going to be a lack of time. I'm going to share with you about my Oma. My grandmother passed away two months ago at the age of 82. Um, Loved her to bits. She lived in our house with us for many years. She was a second mom to me. Um, And the one thing that, that, that stood out for me, every time I would phone her, until the last few years even. And I ask her, Hello, Oma, how's it going? She'll say that, my dier die genade, het goed met my. And For the English people, by God's grace, I'm doing well. And I always thought, it's just a saying. It's just it's a habit. Until I actually realized that my grandmother understood God's grace. She truly understood his goodness. And every time she said that, she meant that. Because my Oma was one of nine children... Before the times of cell phone and Facebook and TV, um, people weren't so interested in phones. So one of nine children, and my Oma lost more than half her siblings before they turned to age 40, 45. Heart attacks, strokes, and so forth. So for my Oma to be alive was a blessing enough to say to me and other children and grandchildren, by the grace of God, I'm doing well. She understood God's grace. She understood life. And not to take Him for granted, and the reason why, because she had a relationship with Jesus. My oma, I remember clearly walking down the passage past her room, morning and evening, and she would sit on her knees, man. How many of us actually kneel when we prayed? She was on her knees at the age of 60 plus, praying to Jesus. I could hear her whispering. She was always whispering as she prayed. Reading her Bible morning and evening. Such an inspiration to us as children. because she understood God's grace. So this morning, I'm talking about sowing seeds. That's our mission in life is to share God's goodness to share the kingdom of God to share the gospel that's why we are here and many times we can just do it by the sowing of a seed that's all we have to do we don't have to do much we don't have to actually even preach a sermon all the time we can just sow seeds can I just ask by a show of hands who here has got a job who works a few lucky ones who here has got friends and family okay everyone is covered So I'm speaking this morning to everyone here who has friends, family, colleagues, all of you. Because our mission in life is to sow seeds. This morning I'm going to go through a few practical things, a few scriptures, and we're going to have two testimonies as well. And this morning you already sowed a seed to the person next to you about your testimony. It might be small in your mind, but you already sowed a seed this morning to the person next to you. And that's what life is all about as Christians. Okay, so the first scripture I want to read is in Matthew 9, verse 27 to 31. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. When I read this a few weeks ago, it it, it also struck me that two guys, can you imagine this for a moment? They're blind. They're calling out for mercy. They're calling and shouting, Jesus, help us. He says, do you believe I can do this? Yes, Lord. He touches their eyes. The blindness leaves because it happens in His presence. They are healed. What a miracle. And and all we focus on that part, we read it and say, God is good. He is good. He heals the blind. Correct? But He warns them sternly. Don't tell anyone about what happened here. Now, in my personal life, 100% man or not, if, if someone heals my blindness and he warns me sternly to keep quiet, I'll stay quiet because that man is powerful. I will not go the, do the opposite to what he tells me. So it stood out to me that these guys, these two blind men, had such an encounter with Jesus that morning. They experienced his love because he healed out of a place of love. They experienced that love and compassion. They couldn't keep quiet. They couldn't contain the excitement, the thankfulness, the gratefulness. They had to go out against His warning and tell the people about Him. Come on. That was amazing to read that, yo know, man, after being warned by this miracle worker, they're like, we can't. We can't keep quiet. And that, that's amazing. That, for me, is an inspiration and just an example of what we should do because we, all of you sitting here this morning, you're healthy. We have reason to share. We have reason to tell people about Him. Jesus Christ, our Savior and King, and and we're not promoting. When we sow seeds, you know, many times in life you have to sell a product, you have to sell a business, you have to promote someone. You know, maybe let's take an example. You're promoting a singer who comes to his London. Woo, buy a ticket, and the guy comes here and it sucks. The concert is not good. The singing is not good, and you're disappointed. But this morning, I can I can assure you with all my heart, we can promote Jesus and sow seeds about Jesus. Confidently, because he's a good God. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He will not disappoint us. And, and from Shofar Church side, I'm confident in this church. We can invite people to this church because it's a spiritual church. God's presence is here. You can invite them to church. You can sow seeds in that way. Because opposite to Matthew 9, in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, we all know this. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority... So I'm not going into details. I've I've preached about that before. But we must realize this morning that all authority that Jesus had and has, he gave it to us. And that's why we can go out there confidently telling people about our Jesus, telling people about about his goodness and his grace. And at times, we have the opportunity to pray for people and expect God to heal them. And through that, you are sowing massive seeds in someone's life. You know, um, a couple of weeks, months ago, Someone I know, his little boy was in the hospital, and I know the feeling because our boy was there himself. And I asked them, can I go and pray for your boy? And I don't go to your church at the moment. And they were so happy. They said, yes, you're welcome. And I want to tell you this morning, and I always tell my wife this, that no one has ever said no to prayer in my existence that I know of. Because people are desperate. Even if they don't know God and someone is sick, guys, or they need a breakthrough in their marriage or their business, they will accept your invitation for prayer. So I went to hospital, I had people there, I prayed for them, and I was sowing seeds all along, about our church, about God, about His father heart, and I'm trusting that people will turn to Jesus and they'll come to church. But the, luckily for us, all we have to do is sow the seeds. Because our God, the Holy Spirit, He will make it grow. So don't stop sowing those seeds because it's not in our hands what will happen with them. We have the great commission here. All authority has been given to us. Therefore, go and tell the world about Jesus. Jesus commands us. He, he, he begs us. He says, now go. Tell the world about me. Make disciples. Contrary to verse uh, chapter 9, where he says, don't say anything. But those guys still did. This morning, I want to ask the question to us as believers this morning. Jesus says, go and tell the, the world about me. Go and sow the seeds of my word. Go and sow seeds out there. When last did you sow a seed? For Jesus. When last have you told someone about Jesus? That's the commission. That's what we have to do, guys. Gave us all the authority and He promises that He will be with us from now until the end of the age. You don't have to be fearful. You don't have to be scared. You don't have to worry about what people think of you. If you're at work and there's an opportunity, someone is sick and you ask and you can pray for them, why do we worry about what they think? This life and our lives is all about Jesus. If you believe in Christ, you are, you are saved, you are Christian, our lives, is, it's all about Jesus. What people think of us, that's, that's secondary. That doesn't matter. One day when I get to heaven, it's all about what Jesus is going to say to us. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You sowed many seeds, many lives were changed by your life. Well done. That's the commission. That's just the contrary that I wanted to point out this morning of two people having an encounter, experiencing Jesus' love, Going out and telling the world about that. And then Jesus comes to the end before he goes to heaven and says, Okay, guys, I'm giving you all authority. I'm giving it all to you. He has all the power, all the authority, and my Holy Spirit is going to come. Go and make disciples of all nations. And what we do with that is up to us. And we have to sow the seeds to the world out there. Because, you know, another thing that came to mind is I drive often for work. And most of you who've traveled the N2 to Mtata or Durban, you know, there are more danger than the average road you travel on. Um, you don't only have the unworthy car, unroadworthy cars, um, animals, goats, cattle, etc., etc. But what do we do as drivers? You drive past an accident scene or a cow on a road or goats, and then the next car approaching you, you flash your lights. Why? Because you want to warn them, because you're a good, pe- you're a good person. So you want to warn them about the danger that's ahead of them. They are not aware of that. What do do they do after that? Will you pass one another at 100 kilometers an hour? Nothing more to do, just to warn them. If they choose to ignore your warning, and they keep on speeding, and they hit the cow or animal or whatever, at 100 kilometers an hour, you have done your part. In our lives as Christians, we can only sow the seed sometimes. We can only warn the people, hell is for real, guys. Heaven is for real. There's a Jesus who loves you. There's a Father who loves you. Come to him, come to church. What what they do with that invitation and the prayer and the seed that you sow, it's up to them. It's beautiful that we can only sow the seeds and trust our Father in heaven to come and do the conviction, come and do the work from there on, and that's all we have to do. But do we do it? Do we do it? Why do we warn people on the road all the time? Myself, I never miss the opportunity to warn people on the road, but I miss opportunities in my life warning people about death eternal death hell and I don't want to scare anyone but it's real but there's a savior Jesus Christ who paid the price so we can go to heaven and that's why we need to tell the good news to the people out there so the question is practically how can we sow seeds spiritual seeds not necessarily physical seeds for those who wondered our daily lifestyles Massive opportunity for us to sow seeds for the kingdom of God How you treat your colleagues at work How you treat your friends How you live your life That is all sowing seeds I have a friend who, who works at an accounting firm Lots of pressure on them They're like the youngsters in the company They get work to the bone um, Article clerks And he said to me that they can't wait to be promoted To a next level so he can treat the new people as badly as he's been treated the last year. And my mouth fell open. And I said to him, what? How did you feel this year when you were treated like that? He said, no, ugly. He's stressed. He's... I said, no, why do you want to make someone else feel that way? He actually requested, he actually requested his boss to, to allocate a, a female article clerk to him so he can't be too nasty with with at least. But um, that just, that just blowed my mind, blew my mind that someone can have that, that kind of mentality. And I challenged him. I said, no, no, you have got to do something different. You have to be different to make that person feel enjoyable at work, she enjoys her work, because you can't now blame her or him for the pressure you felt, felt the last year. So our lifestyles, how we speak to our secretary, how we speak under pressure when a sale didn't go through, or the person didn't send the email and now you're late, or the tender is not in, or whatever the case may be, guys... We are sowing seeds by what we do every day of our lives. Next one is, how do we react in situations? When the tough times come, look, it's easy in good times. Hallelujah, Jesus. But when the tough times come, the pressure is on, and you're in the workplace, like I mentioned, and the pressure is on as a deadline on a sports field, there's pressure. How do we react? Just yesterday, I played cricket, and this very thing happened where it's, it's a pressure game, Went down to the wire. Last over, they needed six runs. I was asked to bowl. Second ball, the guy dropped a catch. <laughs> and they got three runs. And the game was pretty much over. And I was upset, man. I had to bite my tongue like sherbet. <laughs> I bowled such a good ball. The guy hit it in the air. Lost the game. Those of you know me, I don't, I'm quite competitive. I don't like to lose. So yeah, but praise God, I didn't. Go all ballistic and swearing and stuff, um, but that's that's the way of sowing seeds, guys. How do we how do we react to disappointment in tough times, and how do we react to good good times when you win something, when you get rewarded at work or bonuses? How do we react? Do we give God honor and glory or not? What we say that's a way of sowing seeds. All of us daily in the workplace, on the sport field, wherever we are, we have the opportunity to speak life into people's lives. We have the opportunity to speak. Good things about people, where people might be skandering behind the, the other people's backs. We can be different the way we speak. Not swearing with the other guys in the cricket team. Not swearing on a golf course when other guys swear when they hit a bad shot. There are so many ways for us to sow subtle seeds in what we say. There was a Springbok, well-known Springbok. Before the World Cup, they interviewed him. He was very sick about two years ago, to the point of death. Miraculously healed. Made his comeback. Had a good World Cup. But before they World Cup, they interviewed him and, and he said the following words that, that didn't resonate with me very well. He said, I'm very lucky to be alive. Now, I don't know this guy personally. I don't know his beliefs or if he's a Christian or not. But I can tell you from my own life, nine years ago, I had a car accident with a friend, my Chico Golf, on the open road to, Northern, to the Northern Cape. Car, he, he took the long story short, car rolled four or five times, landed on the wheels, and through the grace of God, I'm blessed to be alive. He protected me. I didn't have a scratch on my body. At that stage, I didn't have any medical aid or hospital plans or nothing. I had nothing wrong with me. My friend who had medical aid had a cut on his head, could sleep a night in a hospital in Middleburg. And by the grace of God and his protection, I'm alive. Now see the difference between what I'm saying here. If you are healed by God and you know that God is good, we can't tell people we're lucky to be alive. There's no luck involved here. We have a faithful father in heaven. My little boy, when when he gets food at night, he's not lucky to get food. He's blessed because I'm looking after him. We're looking after him. We love him. It's out of a place of love that God cares for us. So what I'm saying is, let's change the way we speak. Let's change the lifestyle, the culture. Let's create the culture of sowing seeds without the other, other people even realizing we are sowing seeds for God's kingdom. You know, people don't like, let's be honest, people don't like in the cricket environment or wherever you move, the unbelievers sometimes, they don't like to speak about Jesus. But there's many ways we can actually just sow a seed without them even realizing this guy just planted a seed for God here and I don't even know it. Now God can work. We just pray for them. Seed can start growing and bear much fruit. But we, we easily say stuff on, on Facebook, Twitter, you know, when we're excited about things. There's a new relationship. You sow in love. You're putting their feeling in love or feeling whatever you say. New relationship and you wanna tell the whole world. All your friends must now know that you've got the guy you've been after for many years. True. We share about pregnancies, lacquer, you know, good news, little one on the way, engagements, photo of the ring, the setting, the whole tooty. But why don't we just say sometimes a testimony? I know some of you do, and I commend you, bless you for, for sharing testimonies. Many of you I see on Facebook, testimonies are there every single week. And people read that. They might not like it or share it, but they see it, and they read it. And that's an amazing platform for us as Christians, believers, to sow seeds subtly. All our Facebook friends are there. But sometimes we think, "Oh no wait, I've got that guy on Facebook, I've got her on Facebook. I can't say this. They're not a Christian. Come on. Come on. We're called to, to tell the world about Jesus. What do we do with that? Be an example to others That's, that's a way of sowing seeds If you're the only guy on your team Not getting drunk Not taking part in the, the alcohol fines afterwards That's sowing seeds Guys notice that If you don't know it yet Your follow, fellow colleagues and friends Teammates who are not Christians They know you're a Christian Most of the time So they, they watch you like an hawk, like a hawk. What's he going to do with the situation What is he going to say about the situation Is he going to get drunk with us or not Sowing seeds, guys, sowing seeds. Inviting people to church. What an easy one. To sow seeds, invite them to church. You don't have to preach the gospel to them. Invite them to church. We trust that people will come to this church, have an encounter with God in His presence, with fellow believers, and change their lives. That God will change their lives. You don't have to share the gospel. Invite them to church. If they say no thanks, you keep on praying for them. If they come, it's amazing. It's a win-win situation, guys. But we don't invite people because we're embarrassed. Because we, don't, we know they don't want to go to church. But to sow the seed. And the cricket team i have done that. We do it all the time. Inviting them to church. Wainan does the same. It's amazing to see you keep on sowing the seed and one guy comes to church, God changes his love, and he's on fire for God a year later. In our cricket team. But it's not easy. Because like yesterday again, Another guy who came to church once, when I was preaching, invited the guys. And I was blown away, like, this guy doesn't even come to our church often, but he invited the team, said, guys, do me a preaching tomorrow, go to church. And the one guy said, no, you know what, I've been to church, been to the old preaching thing, I'm over it. I'm over it. Harsh words to hear, but I don't, I'm not going to take him under an argument, and no a debate, that won't change anything. The love of God must come and change whatever hurt him in the past, whatever happened in his life. So I'm just, we're just sowing the seeds, guys. And at times, it's not easy, but Jesus dying on the cross was also not easy. Okay? It's never meant to be easy for us in life, but he's with us. He promised us in Matthew 28, I'm with you always to the end. Just go for it. Then lastly, praying for people. That is sowing massive seeds in people's lives without them even knowing about it. And I know many of you do, but keep on praying. This what I want to encourage you. Keep on praying for that family member, that friend who just does not want to come to church or doesn't want to change his or her ways in life. Keep on praying for them. There are many testimonies of someone coming to the Lord after many years of prayer through a mom, a loving grandmother, a colleague, a neighbor. Keep on praying for them because God is faithful and his heart is for every person to meet with him. So please keep on praying. We don't know who might be the next Angus Buchan living right next door to you, who is not a believer yet. Because in the movie Faith Like Potatoes, his life story, it was his wife's prayers and preservation and invitation to church that he ended up in church, met with the Lord, and today all of you know he's changed and impacted thousands and thousands of lives through one seed, one prayer, one invitation. Who are we to think and to decide that this guy on my cricket team who's over it cannot change? Who are we to think that? Our God is a miracle-working God. He can change every person out there, the hardest family member, whatever you might think. Keep on praying for them, guys. God can change them. I want to share with you what happened on the golf course not long ago. Uh, Brad Cockett played with me, and I had another guy in our four ball who's not a believer, also a cricket team member. You can see how I'm sowing lots of seeds there. Um, and then Brad shared a bit of a testimony. He's going to come share just now about what God did in his life and it was a powerful story and he shared it on the golf course afterwards we were having a coke there and he was sharing the story and I could see the seed he was saying there made impact on that guy's life through, through Bob the next week two weeks later we played another cricket game in Queenstown so we are driving the bus and here another cricket player who is not a believer either pops up and tells another guy about this story of Brad which he heard from the guy who played with us and I was like The harvest is getting bigger and it's getting ready. It's already ready, Jesus said. So that's just an amazing story of of sowing seeds. And we don't know what happens after that, but God's good. And they can use that seed to be sown again and again. And and the harvest might be plentiful without you even knowing about it. I'm going to call Brad up to share just two stories about what God did in his life, him and his family, and God spoke to them. So let's give him a hand. He's a great blessing to this church.
1: Thanks, Jimmy. I don't, I, I don't do this very often, I must be honest, so it's quite daunting. And if I can do it, I think there's everyone out here who can who can come up and share a testimony. So, you know, be careful if Jimmy phones you on a Tuesday morning, um, because this is how he phones me. How's it, Brad? How are you? Um, like, how are you, Jimmy? No, like, what are you doing this week? No, nothing. What are you doing this weekend? No, nothing. Um, what are you doing on Sunday? No, nothing. Are you coming to church? Yes. Can you do a testimony? And I mean... You snook it if uh, you, you, you can't say no after that, but anyway. All right, so Jimmy really asked me to share, it's, it's, it's really a little story within a bigger story of how we've really experienced the awesome love and provision of God as, as a family. So at the beginning of this year, we, we, we haven't been in East London for long, we moved to East London um, at the beginning of this year. My wife and I had been married for about 13 years, and we, were, we had lived in Joburg, um, we had lived in Durban for quite a long time. Um, but when I left East London, I grew up here, I went to school there. When I left East London, I really felt the Holy Spirit inside me saying, Brad, you're going to go away, but I'm going to bring you back here one day. And that, that, that truth, that, 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 that seed that God planted in my heart never went away. I, 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 Fifteen years later, you know, my career was going amazingly well, but still that little seed that, that God had said, you'll come back one day, was, was there. And so um, it was really clear we would come back. And in about 2008... Um, I was working at, at a big multinational company called Unilever in Durban. I was their national sales manager, and we had a bit of a restructure. And they, the organizational chart that they published suddenly had a position in East London. And I was like, yes, God, this is, this is, you've changed the whole organization, and this is, this is going to be my move back to East London. And um, I was quite excited about it. I went to my sales director at the time. And he, I could see, you know, in discussions going south, he, like, starts looking at you a bit differently. And he said to me, he said, Brad, you're crazy. You don't want to go to East London. He says, we've got you on our, our leadership development program. We're investing lots of money in you. This is where you must be. But he, and I just said, I said, you know, I really feel like God is putting something in my heart for a move back to East London. And he said, well, go away this weekend. Think about it. Come to me on Monday. And, you know, if it's really what you want, you know, we can't stand in your way. And so I went home and I was amped. It was one of those weekends which you know is going to change your life and and people are really excited about it. And my wife was also a bit averagely excited. And um, I just, it was, yeah, I thought it was the right thing. And I I remember in church on the Sunday morning I was worshiping and I just felt the Holy Spirit saying, you know, Brad, you haven't spoken to me about this. You haven't engaged me. And it suddenly hit me that I was just, this was just my idea and my awesome plan to get back. and so I said to my wife, I said, you know, I just, I just need to go into my room this afternoon. I need to spend a bit of time with God. And, and um, I, I remember I closed the door and I was sitting on my bed there and I was praying, I was worshiping. And I was just, it just got quite quiet. And then suddenly I heard God's voice. I don't know if it was audible to everyone, but it was clearly audible to me. And God said, you know, Brad, this is not your time to move. Um, but I still will move you back but I'll move you back when, it's, when the time is right for you to move me back. And he said, just to prove that I'm in this thing with you and to prove that you will go back one day, tomorrow someone is going to give you a peppermint crisp chocolate. And, um, and that will be my sign to you, that, that you will go back one day. I've got to open my water. I don't want to steal Jimmy's. He took it away. Eh? <laughs> um, so I was blown away. I'd heard God's voice. I uh, uh, I, I didn't quite know how to explain it, uh, but, but I just knew that God had said, "Listen, you know, this is what's going to happen." So I went out of my room, and I like tried to find my wife, and like I said, you know, God has spoken to me, and He said, "We mustn't go now, and tomorrow someone's going to give me a peppermint crisp." And it was she looked at me, and she I think she went into the room to see if I'd been smoking anything around the corner there. <laughs> but uh, what made it even worse was I actually don't eat chocolate. So if you know someone who's if if you know me, anyone who knows me, is not going to give me a chocolate. They're going to give me a packet of chips or some samosa or something like that. And so it was, even, and, and never in my life had anyone given me a peppermint crisp. But God is so amazingly faithful, so good and so intimate with our hearts that when I grew up, I went to a church down in town and our church was in the same road or just down the road from Wilson Roundtree's. And every Sunday I'd come out of church and there'd be a rich smell of peppermint crisp in the air. And, and, and so God knew that that peppermint crisp was not just chocolate, but it was something that connected my heart very closely with, with East London. And so anyway, the next day we had a golf day a corporate golf day, I was at Amshlali in Belito, and we were playing there, and I was with four other guys in the, in the industry, and uh, we, had, we got to the halfway house, had a char, and I quickly needed the bathroom, so I ran off to the toilet, and I said to the guys, I'll meet them on the tee box, and the one guy in the four ball had, had bought everyone a chocolate, four different types of chocolates, and I was the last guy back. And I got there and he said, hey, I bought you a chocolate. I don't know if you want it. I said I, don't, he said, I don't know if you like it, but it's a peppermint crisp. And he flicked it up at me and this peppermint crisp came like slow motion like this. And I just said, I love peppermint crisp. <laughs> and, and it was so amazing because, you know, it was... You know when, look, you walk with Jack Russell and you talk to it and it looks at you and wags its tail. It never... Imagine one day you're walking and suddenly it talks back to you. It's like you would not know what to do. And that was kind of like I was with God. But I'd heard... I'd heard it, um, there was a reason and the most important thing is eh, if, if you hear God's voice, tell someone about it because if I'd have got home that night and started the story from scratch with my wife it would have been, quite a, it would have been a difficult one to land luckily I, I, I spoke out in faith to her and so, sorry I've just got to look at my notes every now and again so I've got to stick to my five minute timeline um, so it was awesome, you know but the reality of it, life got big on me quite quickly. Um, I was really blessed from a work point of view. I had like six promotions in less than, than six years. And before I knew it, I was traveling the world, doing a whole lot of stuff. And and this thing, that, this, this vision that God had given me to move back to East London, I totally had lost faith for. I said to God, it's not going to happen. When I sent my CV to someone in East London, they phoned me back. They said, are you joking? I said, no, I'm not joking. I seriously, I, I feel like I'm going to go back. And um, it was... It was in about, about 2013, about two years ago. I was really battling. Work was getting I, – I was by then I was the, the, the sales director or the, the customer operations director at Unilever. I had a team of about 4,000 people under me. I was leading the strategic agenda for them. We had probably the best execution team in the world at that time. People were coming from all over to, to see what we were doing. Um, and, but I was starting to get anxious and, and fearful around a whole lot of stuff. And I went to my, my, my lead elder at work. I mean, at church – and I said, "Bro, I need, I, I need breakthrough here because I feel like i 'm breaking and, um, and we started praying and he started worshiping and praying in tongues, and the next minute the Holy Spirit came and, 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 and absolutely smashed me, and um, I lay there for two hours, just being ministered to by the Holy Spirit, and one of the things in those two hours was this peppermint Christmas came back up and, and I felt God say, you 're now ready to go and um, it was it was amazing. I, I just had to look in the mirror and like Reevaluate everything because you know, I couldn't go back to work and say, I'm off, I'm out of here, I'm going to East London. There was a real process that had to take place, but God was so good, He surrounded me with amazing people. My, my, my leader, my, who I was here to report to, was an incredible guy who had a heart for, 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 for me and for my story, and it was, it, it was just really good. So I said to God, I said, Everything that I've tried to do to get back to East London, every door closed. You're telling me it's time, you need to give me the job. And so I prayed and fasted. Fasted for, for, uh, I liked what you said this morning, but I fasted. I was really hungry and I I fasted for three days. And I remember it started on a Wednesday and it ended on a Friday. And on that Friday morning, I was at a shopping center in Durban and I was praying to God. I was saying, God, you want me to go? You've got to give me the job. And I got an SMS and I looked at it. And it was a friend of mine that I was at Varsity in school with who I hadn't spoken to for about 15 years. He had been overseas. And he just said, How's it, Brad? Uh, Got your number from someone. Um, I've moved back to East London, I've taken on my folks' business, it's it's struggling at the moment, but I think it's going to do well, and I'm going to need some really good people to to help me um, take it forward. Would you ever be interested in coming back to East London? And it was just so amazing how, God, I didn't do anything, I just, out of the blue, someone I hadn't spoken to for 15 years, clear as day was asking me if I'd ever be interested, and I just replied, I'm interested and um, yeah so that 's essentially how it happened. and the other big thing before we left um, Durban, I just said to God, i said you know god you 've connected us so deeply into, into our church family there and I, and, I, and I really it was it was great. there was amazing friendships, relationships, we had experienced god 's voice, we had heard so much, we had developed so much spiritually I just couldn 't see myself leaving that environment. The churches of what I knew in East London were just it just felt like it was going to um, be a backward step for me. So I prayed. I said, God, I want one more thing before we go to East London. I said, I want you to show me where we're going to fellowship and where we're going to build a relationship and, 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 and grow. And as I was praying that prayer, I just got a picture of, the, of Lavender Blue. Those little houses and the little restaurant. And, and God said, you will, you will worship at Lavender Blue. And I was like, Lavender Blue, I've had breakfast there, but I've, I, I didn't know you could worship there. But anyway... This was this was about three years ago, and I and I I phoned the lady, I phoned someone there I don't even know who it was, and I just said, "Hi, oh, is there a church at Levin W? She said, "She says no, actually there was a church there, but a couple of months ago they've actually just moved down the road. They're quite nearby. You can go there if you want to." I was like, "Okay, so I've got a i have got know where I'm going to work. I know where I'm going to worship now. Everything just had to come together." And as you know, God would have it, and that's what happens. You know, when God's in it, um, things do normally work out. So. The rest is another big story, an awesome story of God's faithfulness and and, and his blessing as we we actually then needed the faith uh, to to move into into what he had called us to. But um, it's just a cool story. I think a lot of Christians um, in this world miss the blueprint and the design that God has for their life because we either act without praying or we pray without acting. And I just think you need to... You know, we need to, you know, there's a, a, a verse in, in Jeremiah where it says, Stand at the crossroads and ask, which are the paths that lead to what is good? Walk in these and you'll find peace for your soul. And I just kind of, that God gave me that verse. And I just find every time we get to a crossroad, we need to ask God. We need to say, which is the path that leads to what is good? And, and, and for me, that's just been an amazing revelation. I believe if there's anyone here with big decisions, um, who are facing themselves in the mirror and asking what to do, God wants so much to be a part of that plan. He wants so much to be integrally and intimately involved. But we need to surrender. We need to create the environment. And we need to to, 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 um, to, to sacrifice and to be disciplined in building that relationship with God. Um, I used to fish a hell of a lot. And God said to me, Brad, you're fishing more than you're spending time with me. And I suddenly realized that I was. And um, God doesn't not want me to fish. But I, I, now I spend more time with God than I do Spend fishing, and, 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 and that was just a little thing in my life which allowed um, my heart to open more to to hear God's voice. So that's it, I think. Mm-hmm. Nothing else. Thank
0: you. Thanks a lot, Brad. Awesome seeds that he sowed um, this morning, and also on the golf course. If anybody's looking for a golf partner who's willing to sow seeds, there's your man. Just then, quickly, this morning is good news it's about celebrating God's goodness and sharing our stories, but I felt that. We're I need to just touch on the fact that we as Christians can also, unfortunately, sometimes sow bad seeds. And we need to watch out for those bad seeds that we, we can potentially sow that could bring damage to the kingdom. And there's a few things can run through. Is, is first of all, you know, hurting people. You know, sometimes in life, someone disappoints you, it could be family, friends, colleague, and we, we become nasty. And if you are honest with another this morning, we can all think of a time or place or friend that we've been really nasty with hurting them, maybe saying stuff behind their back. And that person finds out and bitterness, anger in your heart, and all of a sudden you've been sowing bad seeds in that relationship, which is not God's plan for us. Um double standards, people know you're a Christian, yet every weekend with the guys you get drunk. People see it. That's how many times have you heard if that's a Christian, I'm not interested. Hypocris, we've been called hypocrites many times in our lives because we, we're preaching the gospel and the next moment we're having an affair. The next moment we're getting drunk and that's not sowing good seeds, guys. So just be attentive to, to the possibility of sowing bad seeds. Last week Sunday was a special day. It was baby dedication. Seven babies were dedicated. And it was good to hear as a parent once again that we have a responsibility to raise our children in a godly way to make sure they meet Jesus at a young age through our example. Now this morning, parents, be aware that we can sow bad seeds in our children's life by bad example. Fathers, I want to say to you, don't be surprised if your child, child starts drinking in high school because every weekend all he sees at home is father getting drunk. Example he sees. Don't be surprised if your child gets into pornography at a young age because of your magazines at home, your computer being open, or having them access without limits and boundaries in place. It's all bad seeds we can sow, so just be aware of that. And we don't trust God that our lives will be loved and the lifestyle of good seeds only. And we do make mistakes at times, and God's grace is enough for us, but we can't be in a habit of sowing bad seeds as a, a child of God. We need to sow the good seeds for the believers and for the people out there. We almost finished. The last um, example of, of sowing seeds and where someone's life was touched by, by Jesus and having an encounter with Him. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I've, I've shared about this before as well. The woman at the well went up, Samaritan woman, to draw water. Who does she meet there? Jesus. What a nice day for her. She gets there, long conversation with Jesus, doesn't really believe it's Jesus, all doubt, all questions, all angles. Eventually she realized, this man must be Jesus, the Messiah, because he knows stuff about me that no one else could know. So after the realization and the encounters he had, in verse 28 and 29, John 4, then... Leaving a water jar, I remember she went to the well to draw water. Leaving a water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, Jesus, because of the woman's testimony. Many believed because of a testimony She said to them, He told me everything I ever did. There's power in testimony. Don't underestimate your story. Don't underestimate your testimony. When there's an opportunity, share that testimony with colleagues, with friends, with family. Christmas is coming up. You might have family visiting from out of town who don't believe, who don't come to church. Invite them to church on Christmas. Share your testimony with them. Share a good story with them. Sow the seeds. Because there's always a reward in sowing seeds. We don't have to worry about that. The Holy Spirit will water the seeds. And it will be fruit at the right time. I just want to quickly show you another short video clip. If um, you will put it up, please. Just about sharing testimonies and and the power it could have. I need sound, please. Just pause it there for a moment, please. Yeah, thanks.
2: Hey, everybody. Clayton Jennings here. I'm in Kansas City, Missouri right now. And uh, I needed a shirt for a speaking engagement. So I went to a store and I found this shirt. Right color, right size, right feel, everything that I felt like I needed. And then I went to the counter and the guy looked at me and said, "Uh, are you sure you wanna buy that shirt? And I said, yeah, why wouldn't I? And he said, well, did you not realize that it's damaged? And then he showed me this tag right here that says damaged. And I said, yeah, I still wanna buy it, man. It was the only one like it. It caught my eye, I felt like I could use it. So yeah, I'm gonna buy it. So I bought it. And then I walked out of the store and I realized, man, it's just like me. It's just like you. I'm damaged. You're damaged. We're all damaged. We all have things in our past. We have stuff wrong with us. We all have our flaws and our weaknesses. And God still says, man, I want to use you. I choose you. I don't want the most perfect thing in the room. I want you because through your brokenness, I can be glorified. So, man, it doesn't matter the things that you've been through. It doesn't matter the scars that you have, the pain that you have, the regrets and the hurt that you have. It doesn't matter the things in your life that you're like, I'm too broken to be used. God could never love me. There's no bigger lie that you could ever be fed than that. God loves you. He has a plan for you, even in your brokenness, even in your regrets, even in your pain and your sorrow. He loves you and he wants to use you. And that is truth. And it all starts by accepting his son, Jesus Christ, and then saying, God, use me in whatever way you want. And best believe he will put you on and he will use you if you're not my friend, click the name up top. I'm just going to share things that God puts on my heart. And if you don't want the stuff in your timeline, unfriend me, unfollow me, that's okay, man. I'm not in this for popularity. It doesn't hurt my feelings at all. Uh, I love you all, man. God bless and Share this video. Share with people who who might be broken and feel like God couldn't use them. Or they're too weak, or or they don't have uh, enough going for them. That's a lie. God still wants to use you. He loves you. And God bless you all. Have a wonderful day.
0: Good. Never underestimate your testimony and your story. If you've been believing a lie that your story is not good enough or you're not good enough to share your story, it's a lie. And we're going to have another testimony, short one, from Liz Heman, She's in our church. Blessing to all of us. But an amazing testimony of God's goodness and His grace and His love. So to give it a hand, please. Sure. Um,
3: I'm not sure how short, Jimmy. <laughs> um, hi, everyone. As you all know, my name is Liz, and I got the same phone call Brad got two Tuesdays ago. Jimmy phoned. I thought it was Frisbee-related, but I answered, and he asked me the same question. Are you going to be a church? And I was like, yes. And so he said, would you share your salvation testimony? And I was... At first, I was a bit hesitant. Um, You know, the fear of man and all of that, and sweaty palms, and um, yeah, but... I just look back at God's goodness over my life and I thought to myself, how can I not share? Um, yeah, so I grew up in King Williamstown, not too far away from here. Um, and my mom passed away when I was six years old. Um, my dad raised myself and my sister single handedly. And at the age of 16, my dad passed away suddenly of a heart attack. So, of course, my world was rocked. and Yeah, I couldn't understand how God, who was supposed to be so loving and caring, could allow such a thing to happen. Um, Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, three years following my dad's death, two of my grandparents passed away as well. And they were grandparents who were very close to my heart and who had such a great role in my life. And it sent me further down my path of self-destruction. At this time, I was living in Cape Town, living the life, partying, drinking, experimenting with drugs, and I eventually ended up in a bad relationship, which brought me back to East London, In a relationship that led me to pretty much doing cocaine every weekend. Um, For quite a while, (laughs) I'd crawled myself into a very deep and dark pit. One particular night after getting high, I was sort of coming down from the high and I was lying there in the darkness and I just thought to myself this isn't my life this isn't what my life is supposed to be and I felt this presence in my room and it wasn't one of fear or it was just the amazing peace and I grabbed that opportunity and I started shouting out and praying to God and saying to him that he has to help me because I can't do this by myself and He has to open the doors for me and make a plan because I can't get out of here on my own. Um, Little did I know that he'd already started. Um, A good few months earlier, he'd placed a very good friend in my life, an amazing Christian man who just shares the love of God in everything he does. and He started introducing me to so many more people and friends who have become family to me here. Um, yeah, and I ended up moving in with two other ladies as well who just loved Jesus so much. And doors were opening everywhere. <laughs> after numerous questions on salvation and redemption and all this, you hear the words, but I don't know what they mean. And I think after much patience and after all my questions, my friend offered or he explained that. Salvation is pretty much a prayer that you pray. And I was like, okay, I can do that. And um, yeah, he asked if he could pray with me. And I said yes. And at that moment, I surrendered my life completely. And it felt as if I was ripped out of that pit of darkness completely into the light. Um, I was baptized in water soon afterwards and in the Holy Spirit. And I just became planted. Um, a few months earlier, or a few months after I came to salvation, I was sort of sorting out things with God, and he always sorts out, you know, as we continue in the relationship. And I was praying, and praying so deeply to him, and as I walked into my room, um, I fell to my knees, just in prayer, and surrendering more and more, and I realized I wasn't alone in my room. Now, my housemates weren't there, but so I knew it wasn't any of them, and as I opened my eyes, I realized it was Jesus standing in front of me, and I couldn't believe it, and I also realized that I'd been speaking in tongues for about half an hour before, and it was something I'd asked for, for months prior, and he just lavished us with gifts, you know, as we go, and I kept on talking, because I didn't want him to leave, and I still said to him, I don't want to stop talking, because I don't want you to leave, and I remember this feeling that, you know what, I might think he's going to leave, but he never will. He never, ever will leave. Um, yeah, so. Three years later, he still continues to blow me away. And um, I went on missions earlier this year, and I experienced him even more intimately. And we keep going deeper and deeper in our relationship. All we have to do is just say yes to him and yeah how can I not share about his goodness I'm so transformed yeah thank you well
0: done awesome awesome story of God's love and grace and he's good all the time someone inviting her to church someone praying with her and her whole life was transformed what an amazing testimony thanks Liz um, I'm not going to spend much more time. Matthew 13 speaks about the sower, the parable Jesus um, told the people. Um, i to read it quickly. He says that a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop—a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Jesus is telling us just to sow seeds, guys, sow seeds in hard places, on a road, on good soil. It's all about the seed that, take, that, that actually grows and bears fruit, because that one seed will impact many more people—thirty, sixty, to a hundred times what was sown by sowing that one seed out of obedience like I said earlier Angus Buchan is one example there's many more people one seed was sown and through that lives many many more lives were changed and the challenge for us is just to go and sow those seeds last scripture to end off is John 4 verse 35 and 36 Jesus says here I tell you open your eyes and look at the fields they are ripe for harvest even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. You see, guys, in the end, when all matters, the sower and the reaper rejoice together. Because when one person comes to salvation through someone else's prayers and invitations to church and this morning perhaps or last week, there was a salvation prayer this morning by Andre. Andre who's the reaper and the last prayer, salvation. And the person who is sowing the seeds for many years. Rejoice together. It's not for our own glory. It's not about who's the actual guy who preached the salvation prayer and the sinner's prayer. It's about a soul being one, being ripped out of a dark hole like Liz into a place of light and freedom and redemption. And we rejoice together. So keep on sowing those seeds. Keep on praying for the people that you it's on your heart that we need Jesus. Two weeks ago, we had a leadership development training here for the weekend. Pastor Andres and Pastor Sias were here, spoke a lot of powerful truths. And the one thing that really struck my heart, and I'll never forget it, is when Pastor Andres said, He also spoke about sowing and, and, and doing the things that we shoot for God. And he said, Guys, I must, you must get this this morning. He said, Guys, do not get to heaven with a bag full of seeds. Make sure your bag of seeds is is empty when you get to heaven. Don't let Jesus ask you, my son or my daughter, why is your bag still full? You had so many opportunities.